Crypto exchange Luno is a great South African success story. It started out in 2013 as a lonely voice for the then baby crypto market, offering South Africans a way to buy Bitcoin at a time when most people thought it was a passing fad. Things took off from there, and today it has more than 5 million customers in 40 countries and was recently bought out by U.S. crypto investment group, Digital Currency Group. The financial crisis of 2020 has been a gift to crypto exchanges like Luno, which initially focused on a single cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, but has since added several more, such as Litecoin and XRP. The company has bold ambitions, having set itself a target of 1 billion customers by 2030. That's Facebook levels of market penetration. How does it plan to do this? Joining us to discuss this is Luno's General Manager for Africa, Marius Reitz. Hi, Marius. Is this realistic? 1 billion customers in 10 years from the 5 million customers that you have at the moment. Hi, Kieran. Thanks very much for the opportunity. Yes, so, so I think in any other industry, uh, um, achieving 1 billion customers in, in, in 10 years would be a a tough task and, and maybe even a joke. But I think given the scale that, that can be achieved with cryptocurrency and a global decentralized financial system, we, we strongly believe that it is possible. But this will only happen when we reach a stage where we've achieved mass market level uh, adoption, which we believe to be 10, 10 years out still. So if we look at, at, at what people currently do with money, you'll see that it's typically you know, storing, storing, so using money to store a value, using money uh, to do investments, transacting, and then also borrowing, right? So, so that's the main categories. And, and I think with crypto, this won't change. People's behaviors won't change. But crypto will enable people you know, to, to do all these things better. We strongly believe that. But crypto won't make all of this better from the start. Uh, it's not going to happen now. No, there's, uh, there's not going to be instant gratification in this case. And if you look at all the different use cases, you know, we're typically dealing with different adoption curves for, for each of these use cases in storing, you know, investing, transacting and, and, and borrowing. So right now, we're still at the beginning. If you look at the internet, you know, 20 to 30 years back, it probably took the internet 20 years, you know, to, to really scale up and, and provide, you know, benefits to, to society and to people globally. And very few people actually used the internet back in the early 90s, right? Uh, but the concept was already created, you know, and tested much earlier. And so that is because people didn't really have the incentive in the early 90s to, to use it and, and it didn't have the, the network effects, right? So why would people use it? So so Bitcoin in specific and, and, and also cryptocurrencies globally is at a very similar position, you know, and, and, and only when we start seeing now, critical mass of people using it will see some of these use cases come to fruition. You're betting on a wider, much wider adoption based on these different use cases. So Luna at the moment is a cryptocurrency exchange, but you're obviously also looking at other types of financial services like payments, like borrowing, and so on. Just uh, turn now to uh, DCG, that's Digital Currency Group, which recently bought Luno. That clearly was part of the strategy that they had. They were looking for some retail leg into these different use cases. Am I correct in saying that? And, and w- what are the plans that they have in the near term? Yeah, so I think absolutely the, the DCG move for us you know, will enable us to make cryptocurrency universally more accessible, right? And, and that'll also help us to achieve our, our lofty you know, target of, of 1 billion customers by 2030, right? So, so it's not about building different niche market products, you know, building things that will have a marginal you know, impact or benefit to some people, right? It's about making cryptocurrency universally accessible, right? And, and, and so making it possible for the normal person, you know, to access cryptocurrency across these 
know, across these use cases, across these market segments. So DCG, they invest in NOBI and build uh, blockchain businesses. They've got more than 160 companies in their stable and, and five subsidiaries. So they've got the perfect, you know, bird's eye view of, of what's happening in the in the market globally. And they operate a very similar structure to, you know, an Asperger or Berkshire, but typical holding company structure, a small team. And then I think the big thing here for us really is that Lino will continue to operate independently, right? So we will, we will, we will set our own our own course, we will grow our own team. You know, but DCG will really help us, you know, to expand globally, you know, to, to take cryptocurrency to more people, to make access easier, to be the, the, the platform of choice for people around the world, right? So we've, we've managed to add roughly 40 countries over the last seven years, but, but this will really enable us to, to grow into a global business you know, and, and, and broaden the global cryptocurrency community through, you know, through education and by, by building an easy platform. And they will help us you know, to reach our target of upgrading 1 billion people you know, to a better financial system. And, and it's going to be much faster and easier. Uh, we'll have more resources than we would have had if we, we did it on our own completely. I think the Luno yeah. story in itself is, is very interesting and why DCG chose Luno. There are other exchanges out there that they could have chosen, but they went for you, for you. And uh, why is that? And what is it that you were doing that they liked that perhaps they didn't like amongst some of the other exchanges they must have looked at? So DCG first uh, became involved in, you know, in the early days back in 2015, 2016. And we've always maintained very, very close contact with them, with, with Barry Silbert, the, the, the CEO and founder. And I think the, the common thread here is that we have a, a common mission, right? So, so both of us you know, uh, set lofty targets you know, to upgrade people to a better financial system. So there's complete alignment with that. If you look at DCG's current current portfolio, so they've got Grayscale, which is the you know the institutional investment platform. They have they also own CoinDesk, which is the, the cryptocurrency media, you know the, the the premium cryptocurrency media outlet. They've got Genesis, which is again the trading desk, but they're also the the biggest cryptocurrency lender in the market. Right? So so Luno from a global retail perspective really completes the picture for them. But I think, as I said, the, the common thread was you know a common shared vision you know for upgrading the world to a better financial system. It's just very interesting that you're obviously going to be going into what is a traditional banking and financial services area. And I, it's a question that a lot of people have been debating and asking, you know, can the traditional banks actually survive what's coming? What's your view on that? Are they going to have to adapt or die? I think in the, in the short run, uh, banks are likely to provide access to cryptocurrency uh, as an investment class or provide likely to provide these uh, services like custody, and we've seen investing in South Africa come out and saying that they they're looking into the option of of, of doing cryptocurrency custody for the for the customers. But they will they will do so with you know with limited usability and and, and user experience. And, and I think it it will be great great for the market. It will enhance trust. You know, and it'll it'll, and it'll create increased demand for cryptocurrency. But I think in the long run, it, it might be too late to overhaul the you know the, the business models to focus on cryptocurrencies and. And the the peer players in the market in the cryptocurrency space will will be very strong across everything from customer acquisition, customer support, trust, security, you know, low cost base, user experience, uh, industry specific regulatory experience, right? So, so I think um, I think in the long run, banks will play along, but they will likely focus on the investment on very niche use cases, whereas crypto players will truly you know, be able to to really scale and and take what what they've done up until now on a relatively small scale, like Luna, and, and that's also part of the reason why we, we, we uh, you know, partnered with DCG, 
Um, up until now, we've really experimented with cryptocurrency on a small scale, right? And, and, and now turn that and, and return on the, the, the rock boosters and, and, and uh, grow the market exponentially over the next couple of years. Right. I mean, the Bitcoin price is now today, I think, heading towards uh, $16,000. And you get this euphoria that we had back in 2017. It's in the air. You can feel it. And I think the COVID crisis has been great for crypto exchanges like yourself, like Luno. What kind of volume increases are you seeing this year? And what do you think is driving it? Is it this COVID crisis? Given at a high level, we've seen new account openings, uh, specifically in Africa, and, and then also transaction volumes as a result, roughly, roughly doubling from pre-COVID to, to, to now. So, so that's, that's at a very high level. Maybe in Nigeria, we saw, we saw, we saw a bigger increase in, in, in new customers. But I think we, we entered this COVID period with a lot of uncertainty you know, and, and, and as to whether Bitcoin would survive a, a global financial crisis. It was only created post-2008 previous financial crisis. So, so this was a real stress test for Bitcoin. And I think it, it, it survived it, it quite well. Um, and, and I think the global uncertainty that was created as a result of COVID, and I know a lot of people say this over and over, but, but I think a lot of new investors entered the market. And we can see this in our data. We can see new first-time customers signing up. Um, and perhaps not people speculating only, but people, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing the use case move slightly from speculation to perhaps a more matured uh, type of investor, family trusts, hedge funds, listed companies, specifically in the U.S., and, and that is happening, and uh, we have the data and we can see that. And so, so I think the, the global uncertainty definitely prompted uh, a lot of new investors to consider Bitcoin, and mainly as an inflation age. We, we also had a significant event this year in May uh, in the, the Bitcoin holding events, which, is, which happens roughly every four years, and that is when you know, the, the rate of new Bitcoin uh, that's supplied into the market gets halved, right? and that happens roughly every four years. And for the first time this year, Bitcoin's annual inflation rate dipped to lower that of, of, of fiat currencies and also gold. And it will continue to drop until we've reached the overall supply cap of 21 million Bitcoin. Uh, and currently, there's just over 18 million uh, Bitcoin in, in circulation. So, so that was a big factor. So, so it's the, the, the fear of inflation over the medium to long term that prompted a lot of investors, more sophisticated investors and speculators to enter the market. Marius, I want to talk about the rate of crypto adoption in Africa. It is exploding at the moment. If you look at countries like Zimbabwe and Zambia, where you have capital controls and restrictions, people have woken up to the fact, and there's been very rapid adoption in Africa, where if you buy Bitcoin, yes, you're going to pay a premium in the local market, but in, in very short order, you can externalize your wealth. And this is something that's pretty unstoppable in Africa, and, and people, as I said, have woken up to this. What do you think the trend is for Africa? It, it really looks like there is a huge opportunity that is relatively untapped there. I think the, the use of cryptocurrencies around the world has to date largely been centered on investment or, or speculation or trading, right? So, so yes, there's still a lot of you know, greed, the, the speculation element, that will always be the case in, in, in any financial asset for that matter. But I think if we look at Africa specifically, you know, where, where applications for cryptocurrency, you know, and, and, and the scope of the challenges, uh, cryptocurrency could help overcome some of those challenges. For example, remittance, you know, and, and also payment issues due to financial and political instability. So, so Africa faces a couple of unique challenges, you know, poor infrastructure in certain parts of the continent, and, and that's making it very difficult and costly for people to move money around. And then more recently, dollar scarcity in markets such as Nigeria led to a, a big boom in, in crypto adoption volumes in West Africa specifically. And, and we're seeing people turn to cryptocurrency in Nigeria to keep their businesses afloat. They're able to pay for imports uh, because they can't get their hands on, on US dollars. All they have to 
access forex through you know the parallel markets where they pay premiums to access to access foreign currency so so i think all, all in all the traditional system has struggled to serve the industry and with cryptocurrencies being more accessible for people for businesses uh, we seeing the door opening for for crypto you know to facilitate things like international trade and, and to enable people to manage and grow their wealth. So I think what we've seen in Africa is typical grassroots level type of growth and adoption. And and, 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 and so where, where people find value in using one thing, so using cryptocurrency over the fiat currency, where they find it easier, cheaper, perhaps more secure, then they will start to use it. And there's nothing that can stop that. And that's why we're seeing this grassroots level type of growth um, across Africa currently. All right. I mean, we've spoken about the investment case for Bitcoin. That is undeniable. It's been a fantastic uh, vehicle for anybody looking to grow their asset portfolio. But what do you think about cryptos and what part will they play in delivering financial services to the mass market in Africa? And we've already discussed this and the effect that it's likely to have on banks. But can crypto deliver on this promise of really reaching the masses, the, the, the one billion people of Africa? Yeah, I think there's a, there's a big opportunity, especially in Africa and then also in emerging markets at, at large. Um, so, so, so firstly, accessing cryptocurrency, you only need an internet connection and a phone. So, so this is still a challenge, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's improving. And we're seeing, seeing access, access across the, the, the major cities across Africa, you know, Nairobi, Accra, Ghana, Lagos, Nigeria. We're seeing that improve. So, so more people have access to smartphones, have access to the internet, and they can, you know, they can join this new new economy. I think if we look at the different uses of money currently, so as we as we discussed earlier, now storing your money, uh, investing, transacting, borrowing, we strongly believe that a decentralized system, so something that's left field, so not necessarily something like fintech that that you know that changes the user the, the user experience. It, it, you know, it, it puts a nice wrap around it, maybe makes it slightly more slightly cheaper but it's not really it's not really free and it's not it's not really instant right we, we think that something as left field as cryptocurrency that that will be the best vehicle to upgrade the world to better financial system and to provide people across africa more financial freedom so over time we'll see the storage of of, of funds you know the the options to to invest the options to transact the options to borrow become more accessible using cryptocurrency you know as the underlying rail and that'll happen over the next couple of years, I mean, over the next decade. And it's not something that, that's going to happen now. And from, from, from our perspective is as well, we, if crypto can't do better or, or can't provide a better option uh, than the existing financial system, then, then we won't pursue that. We won't launch that product in the market if we don't think that it can be better in the long term. So, so I think overall, there's a big opportunity in Africa. And, and, and as I said, if, if people find value in using something, and, and you know, it's, it's, you know, whether that's to pay for school fees, because you're in a, in a country with hyperinflation, you know, or if you, you're in a business, you can't pay for imports, you can't continue to do your business, you know, then, then you will look at, look at the better options. And, and I think cryptocurrency will provide that, not now, but in the future. So it's about a fundamental change in the way we think about it and the way we use money. All right, Marius, a final question here. I mean, Luna started off offering a single cryptocurrency, that was Bitcoin. Then you went into, you started offering more cryptos after that. What is the, the near future for Luna? What can we expect? What's, what's coming down the pipe? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I think for us, for us mainly, since the beginning, it's been about making access to cryptocurrency easier. We, we still very much at the beginning. Um, and I, I think I mentioned this earlier as well. For us, it's not about you know, building different products that, that only serve a, a small segment of a market. It's about giving the broad market, you know, the, the, the global base access to cryptocurrency. So we will continue to invest in that. 
we will continue to you know to improve on security you know it, it, uh, improve on security to to continue to do best compliance continue to make it as easy as possible for for people to convert or to move from fiat currencies like you know the rand or the dollar or the euro to bitcoin and vice versa that part is critical and i think banks will continue to play an important role there and then as i said earlier the different use cases storing investing transacting borrowing we will continue you know to provide better options and better infrastructure for each of those use cases and i think that is fundamentally you know sort of goal over the over the next year or two it's to continue to to improve and to invest in those uh, core areas and, and because that is the way in which people uh, use money currently all right we're going to leave it there that was marius rates who is general manager for africa at luno